The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. In business, you have to play to win. You need an edge. You'll find that edge in the business locker room. Hey, business is like sports, and I want to bring the locker room to the boardroom. Giving you the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. With compelling interviews, cutting-edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin. Welcome to the business locker room. Now... Here is your host, Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome into Biz Locker Radio. Great to have you on board, presented by the Business Locker Room. And, by the way, our brand new sponsors, Rehearsal VRP. And you can find those guys at Rehearsal.com. You know, it's it's an incredible opportunity for people to use a product in order to practice. 80 to 90% of sales training has no lasting impact after 120 days, according to a 2014 Gallup study. Re- the guys at Rehearsal VRP, they've got the perfect tool for you to use that's going to help your salespeople in that regard. So you want to go find them. Thanks to Jeff Curlis, Derek Volpe, and the guys at Rehearsal for the opportunity to be a part of Biz Locker Radio. It is brought to you by the Business Locker Room and bizlockerradio.com. You can go online and find us. And, of course, as we have been for about the past two months now, we are live on Blab. Miles Austin joining me from Seattle, Washington. And my guest that I'll ask into the show in just a few minutes, Mark Roberts is joining us from Boston. He of uh, the Harvard Business School persuasion, he was telling me. Uh, before we came on live, he's at Harvard Business School. We're going to talk about his brand new book. By the way, I'll show it to you if you're uh, watching us on Blab. There you go. There's a copy of it, The Sales Acceleration Formula. Absolutely blowing up all over the place. You can't even get on social media without hearing more about Mark and what he's doing out there. Hey, so, Kelly. Hey, yes, hey, sir. Kelly, real quick, just a small point. You want to hit record? Oh, I could do that. I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll shut up. Yeah, for, for the people in Blabland, we, we actually do want to record the show because we're going to have Mark on. Hey, you're listening to the business radio show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use today. It doesn't matter if you lead a team, if you own a company, if you if you're, uh, sell a product. doesn't matter what you do. We have experts in sales and marketing and leadership, social media, business strategy, you name it. In fact, it's been a literal who's who of the business world the last several weeks. Tell you about some of the people we've had in the last several weeks. Orrin Clough, the author uh, pitch anything. We had him on last week. Joe Polizzi, Content Creation. Content, is it Content Creation Institute, Miles? I always want to say, or Content Management Institute. I always get it backwards, but he's the father of the whole thing. You'd think I'd learn. Uh, and uh, Mike Weinberg was on. Trish Bertuzzi was on. Mark Hunter was on. Jeb Blunt was on. You need to do like I do. You need to go find Biz Locker Radio on iTunes. Just search for Business Locker Room Kelly Riggs. You'll find it download those episodes and listen to them on your commute. Absolutely fabulous content. You want to be a part of it. By the way, next week, Stephen Gaffney will be in, and we'll talk about business communication, sales communication. Then the week after that, Miles, the 
irrepressible Jack Kozakowski will join us. We'll just have to bolt everything to the floor to keep everything going. But this week, we move directly into episode number 77. Hard to believe we've been doing it that long. And my guest today is Mark Roberts, Chief Revenue Officer of HubSpot. He's the guy that took HubSpot from zero to $100 million in eight years. And most people are surprised to learn about Mark's background. He's actually an MIT-trained engineer, went to Harvard Business School. You can find him, by the way, at Mark Roberge on Blab, or excuse me, on Twitter. And uh, you can find him online at, uh, at HubSpot, HubSpot.com. Mark, how you doing, man? Great to have you. Great, Kelly. Great to be back. I appreciate it. I don't even recognize you. If, if you're on Blab, if you're joining us, he's got, this, he's got all his facial hair now. And I'm like, uh, he sent his evil to <laughs> or something like that. So what, yeah, what's I'm with the hip- for the uh, executive hipster look is what they call it. You know, I yeah, got the boulder glasses, the uh, the light beard. So it's some sort of compromise between the extreme hipsters and uh, and the professional world. <laughs> well, it's it's just nice to know that uh, you know the popularity hasn't gotten to you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, and you're you're telling you were telling me you were uh, doing adjunct work over at Harvard Business School, right? Yeah, that's right. So the, the intro is I actually have my business degree from MIT, um, and, uh, and I'm, I'm actually joined the faculty part-time here over at HBS. Um, there's actually been a ton of demand from the alumni coming back saying, listen, if there's one thing missing from the curriculum, it was really sales. And uh, a couple of the professors here I've been lecturing for and collaborating with over the years, and they were really excited about the book and um, had kind of approached me to see if I could help them lay out a curriculum and teach uh, a class here on, on, on sales. So that's what we're doing this fall. We'll teach it in the spring, and uh, I'm hoping that it, it paves the way for more you know, bright students to kind of consider sales as a good career for themselves. Absolutely. How, how do you feel about taking people directly out of a program like that and integrating them into the HubSpot model? Does that work for you guys? It does. You know, we've probably over the years taken close to a dozen MBA grads from top schools that with no sales experience and, uh, and, and t- taught them to sell. Uh, we were very successful. I'll be honest with you, the only negative to it is they get bored a lot sooner than the traditional uh, salesperson. You know, they're, they're ready for management like a month <laughs> after they figure out how to sell. Usually it takes like six or seven months to get them there, at least in the HubSpot context. And then at month eight, they're like, what can I do next? Um, so we've, we've actually had a lot of success in our, our partner channel program because from day one, that's sort of like sales management. Um, but uh, I just think... Um, you know, as we've talked about before, especially in the startup scene, sales execution is so critical to the success of a company, and yet it's not taught at school all that often, and some of the brightest students in the world don't really consider it to be a, a viable career for themselves. So hopefully we can make a dent at that, in that in the next couple of years. Yeah, it's really interesting when you talk about it like that. You're talking about people who are obviously typically very bright, uh, analytical skills. They understand the financial side. They're coming out of an MBA program. When you stick them into a sales slot, Mark, what, what do you find is the most difficult readjustment or transition for someone who comes in out of an MBA program? You know, it's, um, it's just uh, the uh, tenacity and endurance to hear no all the time and to pick themselves sure. up day after day. And it's funny because I evaluate um, – folks in sales very differently than I'd evaluate MBAs. You know, folks in sales, they're coming from Oracle, they're coming from EMC. I don't have any doubt that they're ready to come into the debt the de- every day, pick up the phone and start dialing, right? right? And I don't have any doubt that they can handle and know 80 to 90% of the time and still keep their head up. 
What I'm looking at is, especially in our context, which I think required a, a slightly more, you know, uh, on the spectrum of sales roles, we needed someone pretty intelligent um, to be on the phone. So I would be um, evaluating those elements for just a traditional salesperson. When I'm, when I'm looking at someone from HBS or MIT, I'm not worried about intelligence, right? I'm, yeah. I'm looking at a completely different assessment and seeing if this person's going to have the tenacity to pick up the phone uh, every day, you know, 50 times or hear no 80% of the time and still keep their head up. And that's very difficult to evaluate. Does the MBA, gra- uh, the MBA graduate, do they, do they bristle at the idea of being a quote-unquote salesperson? You know, is that, is, that, is that a step down for them? And how, how do you deal with that? Yeah, it kind of is, and I hope to be able to change that to some degree. I mean, it's helped that, um, you know, I think the world of banking, especially maybe consulting to some degree, has lost a little bit of allure to the traditional MBA because of, like, everything that happened in the financial crisis. Sure. And so I think for that reason, sales has become a little bit more appealing to folks. Furthermore, I think, like, sales has changed quite a bit, and the salesperson that, you know, measure, yeah, memorizes the price book and the feature set and gets right. by in quota doesn't exist anymore. It requires someone that has a little bit more of a consultative ability, and uh, I think that's a really good fit for the MBA. And I think the final piece is at the leadership level. You know, everything we've talked about, about, you know, the leadership having to be a little bit more analytical, a little bit more process-driven, having a little more science added to sales, that speaks, you know, great to the MBA and the leadership sure. skills that they've developed as well. So when you combine someone with that MBA acumen, with the ability to sell and how to sell and coach salespeople is an extraordinarily powerful professional today. Yeah, no doubt about it. My guest today on BizLocker Radio, Mark Roberts. Find him online at HubSpot.com, of course, the Chief Revenue Officer of HubSpot. Also, follow him on Twitter, if you don't already, at Mark Mark Roberts, R-O-B-E-R-G-E. And you can find all of the information about Mark and other shows that we've done in the past, ones we've got coming up as well, at bizlockerradio.com. It's interesting, your book, which I was showing just a few minutes ago, if you're joining us on Blab, The Sales Acceleration Formula, my sense is it's been extraordinarily successful just based on the buzz that I see in social media and the conversations I've had with people. And uh, I, I know that the last time you told us you were donating all of the proceeds from the book to a very worthy cause. Why don't you talk a little bit about that, too? Yeah, we were excited. In fact, we just had the gala on Thursday and made, a, you know, on behalf of HubSpot, a really great donation. So the, the organization is called Build.org. I stumbled across them probably a year and a half ago. And what they essentially do is they're in, uh, I don't know, the top four or five cities in the, in, the, in the country. They target the absolute worst neighborhoods in those cities, you know, neighborhoods where you're probably going to see a, a good amount of these kids uh, out, you know, out in gains potentially, certainly a large percentage of them not graduating from high school, certainly a huge percentage of them not even going to college. And what they essentially do is try to get those students to really, um, you know, fall in love with entrepreneurship. And at freshman year of high school, when they're at the highest risk, to really uh, allure them with the intrigue of starting their own company. And they actually get them to start a company. They take them through a four-year journey of, of building that product, selling product, marketing that product. It's an amazing experience for the kids. They're surrounded by business mentors along the way. And I think of the program, I think they had 99% of the kids in these really tough neighborhoods that went through the program, graduated from high school, and I think like 70 or 80% end up going off to college. So huge wow. success for the organization, and we were excited to be able to, to get the proceeds over to them. 
Wow, that's good stuff. Hey, I want to dive into the book. Last time we had you on, you were just rolling out the book, and uh, we got into the first part of it. You know, what? I've shared the book with a lot of people and shared some of the data and the research that you guys have done. Really intrigued by how you, you took the top traits that you were looking for. I start telling people you did a regression analysis, and their eyes kind of, you know, they've got to fog over. But I say, hey, yeah. here's what we found out. According to Mark, the number one trait that you have to look for in a successful salesperson, at least from HubSpot's perspective, is somebody who's absolutely coachable, right? How do you, how do you find how, how do you determine that? How do you determine if someone's coachable when you're taking them through the interview process? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough one to evaluate, but um, you know, essentially what I do is I put them into a role play. You know, I'll say, hey, Kelly, you know, why don't you play a HubSpot salesperson? I'll play a VP of marketing at a security software company. And let's assume that I came to the HubSpot website last night and downloaded an ebook on inbound marketing. You're going to call me as a lead. So go. And we'll do that role play for five or ten minutes. And I'm making a couple observations. And then I, we stop the role play and I'll say, Kelly, how do you think you did? And I'll have you self-assess. And sort of self-awareness and their self-assessment is my first indication of their coachability. If they say, you know, I did awesome, that's not really a great sign for me. <laughs> They're like... You know, if they're like, um, you know, I thought I did well here, but I think I could have improved there. I like how, you know, introspective this person's being, and then I'll build off of that. And I'll say, okay, well, how would you have improved that? What questions might you have asked? And then I'll take a step away and i say, on every interview, I like to give one piece of positive feedback and one piece of, area, you know, an area you can improve. And I'll give that feedback and, and dive into the area improvement and, and go up to the whiteboard and spend a few minutes, and I'm watching them. You know, if they're glassy-eyed and just, nodding yes to me, I'm not really liking it. Versus if they're taking notes and they're asking good follow-on questions, that's a good sign of how well they're absorbing this, and then I'll have them redo the role play. And they usually mess that up pretty big time. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty stressful situation. Sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, but, like, you know, just their effort, and if they actually move the needle a little bit, I mean, that's, that's amazing. I mean, if I spent 10 minutes coaching someone and I'm actually able to move the needle with them, What's it going to be like spending a day, a week, a month with them? So that, that's kind of the simple exercise I go through. That's, that's interesting. So you find somebody, you've got a really pretty good sense that, that they're coachable and they can respond to the kind of techniques that you're going to teach them and so forth. If you had to put your finger on the next thing that really makes a difference between whether or not they succeed or fail at HubSpot, what, what's sort of the next thing that you look for? Curiosity. And, yeah. I, and I think that was one that's been relatively common in, in sales, especially more complex sales. And so what I mean by that is, you know, I'll, I'll judge that in a couple different ways. Um, right when I meet them in the lobby, I'll start judging it. You know, if, if they meet me and they're a little awkward and I have to drive a lot of that opening, breaking the ice, you know, it's not a showstopper, but it's just a missed feather in the cap for them. Versus if they're like, hey, Mark, you know, glad we were able to meet. I'm a big fan. I've read some of your blog articles. Hey, I noticed the kids were in the, won the Super Bowl this weekend and their fantasy football league that must have been a blast to coach them and what was that like and you know it's a really genuine conversation that's interesting you know and then when we do the role play that I just outlined if they open that role play up and give me like 10 minutes of show up and throw up and basically give me all the information I could have found on the website I'm not that intrigued but if they reference the download of the ebook and ask me what questions I had and can build on some of the statements that I'm that I have um, I like that so one of the kind of analogies I often give is uh, I'll meet people who have never been in sales before and they'll say, how do I know if I'd be good at sales? Or, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give them an exercise similar to what you're asking about here, Kelly, which is 
you know, next time you're at a wedding reception or Friday night at some sort of, uh, you know, going out on the town or, you know, a, a school event or whatever it might be, meet a stranger, go up to them and see how long you can go with just asking them questions about themselves or one of their interests without yeah. annoying them, you sure. know, and, and when they uh, try to ask questions about you, um, answer it quickly, but then get back into finding out about them. Sure. And see, that's a really great skill. And, like, I, I know people that do this well, and, and I try to do this myself. I can go talk with someone for 20, 30 minutes like this, just asking them a question. And the questions are so provoking, you can tell that they're learning just from me asking questions. They're like, you know, no one's ever asked me that before. I've never thought about that. Right. And then, you know, and I'm generally, I'm not trying to play a game. I'm generally curious. I know everything about me. I want to know about you. And people will walk away from that conversation and go over to their wife and say, you know that guy, Mark? He's a great guy. And all they know is my name. But they're basing that judgment just on the questions that I asked. You know? Yeah, he's, he's quite the conversationalist. <laughs> by, the way, by the way, I love that slick technique where you kind of slipped in the fact that your kids won the Super Bowl or some, <laughs> something. Uh, yeah. I was the coach for the team, so we had, uh, it was a fun weekend. Fun weekend. Oh, uh, That's good stuff. He's Mark Roberts. Find him online at HubSpot.com. And, of course, you want to follow him on Twitter, at Mark Roberts. Well, after we, go, after we talk some about that, and that was some of the clarifying questions that I got from people that have listened to the podcast, have read the, read the book. And, uh, and of course, uh, I didn't call and get any commission dollars from you, but I have sent a lot of people over to HubSpot recently. We can talk about that later. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, people begin to look at that and they say, man, he, this guy is really on to something because he's begun to create this analytical type of approach to hiring and training salespeople. And I want to move into the training side. Do you guys actually process drive the whole training side as well? I know one of the things you do is have people build a website and learn the products in a very hands-on experiential way. I assume that's part of the process. Absolutely. So there's probably three main components that I think are, I don't know, maybe somewhat new or as people can learn from. The first one was when I went around the first year on the job, I, I, I met with 30 VPs of sales to grab coffee and learn what I could from them. And um, one area I dug into was this, Kelly, how do they actually train their salespeople? And um, for many of them, it was just like, hey, Kelly, welcome to HubSpot. You remember Susan, our top salesperson from the interview process. Well, your training is going to be to sit down with, next to her for two months. Right. And something just didn't feel scalable or predictable to me for that, you know, with, with that strategy. And uh, as I, you know, reflected on that, that event, you know, years later, I realized why I'm glad I, I trusted my instinct and gut there. Because as I look at our different salespeople, while they all share those ingredients we talk about during the interview process, many of the great salespeople have almost this, like, unique superpower. You know, I know, like, I've got this one guy, Adam, who he's just an activity hound. He, you look at his you know, look over his shoulder any given day. He has like seven tabs open in the CRM. He's on the phone. He's taking notes. He's writing an email. He has 40% more activity than any other one else on the floor. And then you look at another person, you know, and again, like he's okay at the rest of the process, but he's a top performer because of all that activity. Right. Then you look at another woman, Jen, who she's an amazing rapport builder. And what she does is she, you know, she, she opens up, she spends half an hour with her demos just talking about, uh, you know, church and sports and the weather and kids and family and all these things with their prospects. They love her. And right. she's, again, okay at the rest of the process, but everyone buys from her because they love her so much. Right. Now, imagine if on Adam's first day, 
he spent, you know, two months shadowing Jen, or if Jen spent two months shadowing Adam, it would be a terrible situation. They would probably never lean into that unique, you know, authentic superpower of theirs, and they'd have sort of a misinterpretation of what great sales was like at, our, at HubSpot. So we try to take a step back and create a blueprint um, around our buying journey, our sales process, um, you know, the, qu- the qualifying matrix, the steps that people go through, and turn that into a certification process, turn that into uh, a 100-question exam, and, and expose people to that over the course of the month to really patternize it, right? So, wow, 100-question exam. I mean, pe- people's heads are going to explode. You actually, you actually test people. Hey, I'm going to take a time out right here. Good time to do so. I'm a little bit long on this break. Hey, you're listening to BizLocker Radio. Find us at bizlockerradio.com if you're listening live or if you're listening to the podcast. Make sure you find us online as well at Blab, live video now, and you can follow uh, our YouTube channel and see past episodes there as well. We're going to come back after the break. We're going to talk more about Mark's brand new book, The Sales Acceleration Formula, using data technology and inbound selling to go from a zero to $100 million. He's Mark Robert. Stick with us. We'll be back after this time out. I'm Kelly Riggs. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a sales strategist and leadership coach. Now in his ninth year as founder and president of the Business Locker Room, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon or at bizlockerroom.com. For more information on hiring this two-time National Salesperson of the Year to speak at your next event or to train your leadership team, visit bizlockerroom.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Hi, I'm John Spence, one of the top 100 business thought leaders in the world, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome back to Biz Locker Radio. I'm Kelly Riggs. Hey, find me on Twitter as well, at Kelly Riggs. You can find information about all the shows at bizlockerradio.com. We've just re-released our website. Really excited about it. Putting some finishing touches on that. We've been in a conversation here on episode number 77 of Biz Locker Radio with Mark Robert. He's the uh, Chief Revenue Officer at HubSpot. And uh, he was on before and when he released his brand new book, The Sales Acceleration Formula. By the way, join us in the latter part of the show. My buddy from Seattle, Miles Austin, the web tools guy, whom you can find at fillthefunnel.com. He'll join us for the X's and O's segment. We're going to talk about uh, something you know a little bit about, right, uh, Mark? Yeah. Marketing Greater, marketinggreater.com. So I'm excited to hear about that. He chastised me and made sure I didn't say it was brand new. I, I don't know about it. It's got to be brand new. Come on. What are, you, what are you saying? Hey, we went into the break. We were talking about sales training, and you kind of talked about that initial run-up process. You really, You guys do a lot that I try to communicate to people that I train as well. 
I, I love it when you've got that that book and that uh, that anecdotal experience, and it's driven by data. And you guys have done a fantastic job with it. But you actually get people hands on. You do inbound lead generation work. You have your people building websites and using HubSpot. That's got to be a fantastic training tool. Yeah, I just think it's critical today where. You know, the buyer today has so much more power in the sales and buying process, and it's no longer acceptable for a salesperson to simply man it, you know, memorize the FAQs and the price book and think that they're adding value to the sales process because they're not. They truly need to be sort of advisors or consultants and really helpful to the buyer today, and I think it's really important for them to be able to do that. You need in training to try to get your salespeople to kind of walk in your buyer's shoes, right? So right. try to put your, your buyer, you know, your salespeople, give them a sense of what it's like to be, you know, a, a day in the life of, of the, buy, the people that they're going to sell to. So what we do is a big part of those first 30 days of training is our salespeople actually build their own website and blog on HubSpot. They generate a social media following of a couple hundred people. They rank in Google for a couple thousand terms. They create landing pages and run A-B tests on calls to actions to see if they convert as many of those visitors into leads. They nurture those leads with, with email and email nurturing programs, and then they measure the whole thing with closed-loop analytics. And so by the time they're done with that process, you know, they really can relate to these marketers and the pains that they go through. And they can school I would say 95 to 98% of them because they've been through that process with the best practices that we know, you know, we know and love. So sure. whether you're selling routers or landscaping services or whatever, if you're hiring salespeople, the more that you can, you know, let them feel the day in the life of their customer, I think the better they'll be from an, from an inbound sales standpoint. More and more, the, the inside salesperson is, especially given the sales tools and the digital tools that are available now, more and more, the inside salesperson is, is responsible for lead generation and so forth. I talked with Trish Bertuzzi a few weeks ago, and we talked about the separation in, in uh, sales development between the inbound lead generation and turning it over to direct sales. How do you guys approach that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, well, we have a large team that generates content, but we really encourage our salespeople to participate in that. And I think that's another piece to training here is, you know, when I meet salespeople out on the road and they say, you know, Mark, I cold call 50 hours a month. I'm like, okay, well, it's part of the job. You got to do it. But here's my challenge to you. The next two months, cold call 40 hours a month and spend those 10 hours a month that you saved participating online where your buyers are conversing. Right, so find the blogs that your buyers read, follow those blogs, read those blogs, and comment on those blogs. Find the LinkedIn groups that your buyers converse in, join those LinkedIn groups and add value and answer their questions. Participate in your own company's blog. You know, write a guest blog post every month. And ask yourself after those two months, were those 10 hours that you, you would have spent cold calling, were they better spent doing this digital conversation and personal inbound marketing? And most people find that it's absolutely the case. They loved it, and they want to double down on those efforts. So we try to encourage our folks. We obviously teach them to do this as part of their own ability to sell, but give them ample opportunities to build up their personal brands online with our prospects as salespeople. That's good stuff. Hey, by the way, technical question real quick. As you look yep. on your Blab screen, on your screen that shows your face, is your microphone on or is it X'd off? It's on. 
Okay, good. Just want to make sure we had somebody ask if uh, if we could hear you. And I, th I think because I'm hearing you through the studio, I wasn't sure if that was the case. Uh, well, it's interesting. You you guys, because you, you specialize in the inbound lead generation and that's what you sell and, and you work at it. You've got a big piece in the book in which you talk an awful lot about that. You talk about inbound lead generation and ranking in Google and all of those kinds of things. How, how, how do you begin to work with the marketer out there who's using your services? And I know I've sent a couple of people your way and, and they've gone through this process, but how, how do they begin to teach them to use the HubSpot tool in, in order to actually create leads? Yeah. I mean, the first is just a realization that this is a shift you need to get behind. And I often just talk about, you know, just think about yourself. You know, you probably still get cold calls, Kelly. I mean, when you get, get cold taunts. calls, how often do you respond to them? How often does it lead to a sale for, from you? When you get direct mail from some company at home, how often does that end up in the trash bin versus a, a sale? Or even like an unsolicited email in your, in your email account. And how often do you click on ads? I mean, we've, we've become trained as, advert, you know, as consumers mm -hmm. to avoid the ads, whether reading the paper or reading the, the web. And so... The, the key here is to like really get behind this and recognize that it's all about generating content, educational content uh, for your buyers in order to attract them to your business. A lot of people are on board with that today. And, you know, I'll, I'll, they'll come up to me after a speech or when they first sign into HubSpot and say, Mark, this is fantastic. I'm CEO of this business. I'm going to start blogging once a week. And I'll say, no, you're not. <laughs> and they'll say, what, what are you talking about? I thought that was the whole point. I said, what do you work, 70 hours a week? You think you're going to start blogging once a week now? I mean, you might do it for a week, a month, two months, but some fire is going to happen and it's going to fall to the wayside. Absolutely. And your job as an executive and a marketing executive, a CEO, whatever, is to build a content production process. And this is really the cornerstone of getting started with Inbound. And, um, the, you know, the key to this is actually finding a journalistic arm within your business. Okay, so that could be going out and hire a journalist. It could be going to your local top university, finding a great journalism program and finding a junior to come by every Friday, pay them with credit, pay them 15, 20 bucks an hour, whatever it takes, and, um, you know, and, and basically surround them with thought leaders at your organization. That's really your task. So you go from this dance, I just talked to someone last week, like, oh, yeah, we've got this new mantra, all of our sales reps are expected to write a blog article a month. Yeah, you might pull it off, Maybe. But I think you're going to be a lot better off if you go out and spend a little bit of money and find a journalist who, by the way, they're not as expensive as engineers, and they're not as hard to find. <laughs> right, I mean, right. I mean, the journalism industry is like newspapers and magazines are not on fire right now. So there's a, an amazing amount of gifted people out there that don't even know themselves that they hold the keys to the future of demand gen, right? So, so you go out and you find this person, and then form a thought leadership committee. Put your five salespeople on your thought leadership committee. Put your four C-level executives on your thought leadership committee. If you, have a, if you sell a technical product, put your seven engineers on the thought leadership committee. And each week, have one of them sit down for a cup of coffee for 30 minutes with that journalist. And have that journalist take notes. Now, after that cup of coffee, 30 minutes, that's a long time. That journalist should be able to write three to five page, a three-to-five-page ebook on the subject that they're discussing. They can write three or four blog articles. They can come up with 12 or so tweets and LinkedIn messages that they can put out there and schedule the course of the month. And then each one of those tweets directs itself back to the relevant blog article. And at the end of each blog article is a call to action to download the ebook. It just says, Kelly, 
Did you like this blog article on, you know, Facebook marketing? Maybe you'll like our five-page ebook on the topic. Click here. Right. And you click through and you find out the, the ebook is free, yay, but I just need your name, phone number, email address, and company, and it's yours. And many people at that point are more than happy to share that information for that quality content. So that simple process doesn't cost you a lot of money, doesn't put an extra burden on your executive team or you, um, and it creates a whole bunch of social media following, a nice blog subscriber base. It increases your ranks in Google. A lot more traffic comes to your site, and a high degree of that traffic converting to qualified leads for your business. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely brilliant. I mean, anybody that started a company, solopreneurs, small companies, they, they realize they have to have a social media presence. They have to do content management and generation and all those things. And they just don't have time. I mean, they're busy right. running a company. And that's a phenomenal a bit of insight just to hire a journalist part-time and let them do some of that. And uh, having had that experience even with you guys where Emma, for example, has interviewed me and put some things together. It works fabulously well. But you mentioned something I want to jump in the middle of. You said, hey, something about cold calling. I have read more articles about cold calling is dead and cold calling doesn't work and all that. Mark, I get more cold calls by digital social media, digital tools now than I ever got. And it's even worse because they're right there in my face now. The people who say cold calling is dead are the people who are driving the new cold calling, and it's, I, I mean, I hate it. I mean, they're, they're terrible. I agree. I don't know if they you know, it's tough. I mean, I do still think it's necessary. You know, it, it's rare, that, and, and I have to step away from my HubSpot podium and our brand for what it stands for, but just if I were to step out and just try to be a general sales thought leader, thought leader and advise a company, it's rare to find an organization where the pace by which they're growing their web traffic um, is equal with how fast they want to grow their revenue stream. Usually it's just not as much. It's like, listen, we want to double our sales next year, but we're only growing our web traffic by 50%. Well, growing web traffic by 50%, that's phenomenal. Yeah. You know, like you got to find other ways to do it. And I think, number one, you know, you, you can do a lot better than just going out on a LinkedIn and building a target list and sending the same elevator pitch to all the same people every single day. Um, you can get, there's a lot of tools out there you can do. Even a simple example, just knowing which companies are coming on your website every day. That's a, that you can do that today relatively easily. That's a much better replacement than just cold calling. And if you did have to just go on a LinkedIn and find people, at least make an effort to personalize it. It's not going to oh, work yeah. otherwise. Personalize it to their industry. Personalize it to their role. Maybe there's something interesting you can find out online about them. Maybe there's not. But make an effort to personalize it, and you can be more successful. Yeah, and, and, I, and I guess that really is, you know, if, I, if someone requests my ebook or your ebook or some other, or there's some connection in which a customer says, I have an interest in you, then typically what a salesperson will do, Mark, is immediately jump on and say, hey, we've got all these great services and, hey, we just, you, you said it best, show up and throw up. That's absolutely the wrong thing to do, right? Completely. I mean, it's not, you got to be appreciative and start with the buying journey. And you have to align your sales and marketing process with their stage in the buying journey. When someone comes to your website, spends two minutes and downloads an ebook, they're not ready for a demo. And an offer in your follow-up email, if you get them on the phone, if your primary offer is, I'd love to show you our product, you're not aligned with where they are. Where they are is they're trying to understand their problem, they're trying to educate themselves, they're trying to understand the best practices and available 
you know, options out there from a strategy standpoint, your offer needs to be aligned with that. You're better off offering them about a 30-minute free consultation with one of our experts or me on this topic. Or how about you're interested in this ebook? I actually have a better ebook for you. You maybe didn't right. find this one, but based on our two-minute conversation here, you're probably better off digging into this point, right? So it's just you want to think about your opening sales tactics to be better aligned with where they are in the buying journey. Yeah, that's good stuff. Hey, we got about three minutes left before I let you go. But I, I, the one thing that I want to dive in that you talk about in the book is you say you run into this a lot. You, you have a company that's not generating a lot of leads. They begin to use inbound marketing for lead generation. Suddenly, they've got tons of leads. But sales are the people that are complaining. Yeah, we get a ton of leads, but these leads suck. <laughs> All right. But what you point out is that we're really not managing and using those leads appropriately and oftentimes not filtering them through the right process. Explain that a little bit. Yeah, sure. So Lots of times, folks have been around, companies have been around, salespeople have been around at this company, and they're doing outbound. And they're, they're buying a list of target accounts with the CIO from telecom companies, and they lead in with an elevator pitch that's perfectly customized to them. Then all of a sudden, this marketer starts doing some great things and get all these inbound leads in. And, you know, what happens is you're using an outbound sales tactic to go after an inbound lead, and it breaks. And what happens, if you have to visualize this for me, outbound you start with people who are a great fit, and then you shake that tree as much as you can with cold calls and cold emails, and 1%, if you're lucky, fall out the bottom admitting that they have the pain you're solving. Right. With inbound, that, that framework is, is, is flip-flopped. Right? Everybody that's coming to you probably has some version of the pain that you solve. Right. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done the Google search. They wouldn't have read the blog article. They wouldn't have you know, downloaded the ebook. The problem is they're not all great fits for your company. And that's the first thing you have to realize is some of them are going to be great. Some of them are perfect fits. Others are going to be PhDs in Japan just doing research. Oh. And if you pass that Japanese PhD through to your sales team, they're going to hate you. Right? Like <laughs> let's say 30% of those leads are a great fit. If you pass 7 out of 10 to the sales team and they're not a good fit, you're wasting their time. So yeah, the first right. thing you have to do is you've got as a marketer to do some form of filter and only pass the good ones through. Then the salesperson has to adjust because, again, even if it's a good fit company, which I think is a great lead, it's not always the CIO. In fact, it's rarely the CIO that's doing the research. It's usually a frontline associate, an intern, a manager, and then, and then the, the, the salesperson's confused. They call the contact, finds out it's an intern, and says, this lead sucks. But it doesn't suck. Who do you think told the intern to do the research? Right. Probably the CIO. So the salesperson needs to change their tactic and appreciate that that opening contact is probably not a decision maker, but they are a friendly coach that once you went over their trust, they can, ask, they can answer like, who told you to download that? Why did they ask you to do this research? What did the CEO talk about at the last company meeting that might be going on? What is your boss putting pressure on you to do? And this is all great insider information that the salesperson can now use to call power and make a lot more progress. Yeah, so what I hear you saying is that there's this assumption that all leads are equivalent. When I get it, it's the particular kind of lead that I'm used to, and what right. we should be doing is not making those assumptions at all and just treating it as a contact opportunity that needs a lot of things filled in, right? Exactly. It's a different tack that you have to take on these inbound leads. Uh, that's that's really good stuff. Well, he is the author of the Sales Acceleration Formula. Again, if you're joining us on Blab, there's a copy of the book, The Sales Acceleration Formula, Using Data, Technology, and Inbound Selling to Go from Zero to $100 Million. Mark, did, did you ever think when you started you'd be running a $100 million company or be the CRO for a $100 million company? 
Not a chance. I was coming off a failed startup. I had a baby and a new one on the way. I just needed four months of salary. And and nine months, nine years later, it's uh, it's been a really uh, exciting run. Well, it's fantastic stuff. Thanks for joining us again. Follow Mark at Mark Roberge. Find him at HubSpot. And if you have any interest in lead generation tools for your company, check out HubSpot. Absolutely phenomenal tool. By the way, got a free CRM that you can utilize, and I assume that you guys use that as a way to get people accustomed to what you do. Great value opportunity there. Absolutely free CRM that you can use. And then uh, in the X's and O's segment coming up next, we're actually going to talk about Marketing Grader. That's a HubSpot tool as well. Hey, Mark, really appreciate your time. Congratulations on your success. I look forward to talking to you again. Thanks so much, Kelly. All right, good stuff. Hey, we're going to take our final time out. We'll come back on the other side. Miles Austin will join us. We'll do the X's and O's segment. You're listening to BizLocker Radio on Voice America. I'm Kelly Riggs. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a sales strategist and leadership coach. Now in his ninth year as founder and president of the Business Locker Room, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon or at bizlockerroom.com. For more information on hiring this two-time National Salesperson of the Year to speak at your next event or to train your leadership team, visit bizlockerroom.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Dan Walshman, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. Hey, it is Biz Locker Radio, brought to you by the Business Locker Room and our good friends at Rehearsal VRP. Find them at Rehearsal.com. Uh, it's a safe place to practice communication with your customers and your colleagues. And uh, in short order, we'll have some uh, some other things behind me that will remind you who those guys are. Fantastic guys. Thanks to Jeff Curlis, Derek Volpe, and the guys at Rehearsal. Fabulous product. You can use it with your team to do role play, to do practice, best practices on communicating with customers and with colleagues and all those kinds of things. Really excited to have them on board. Begin using their tool in my own consulting practice. Really excited to have them on board. Well, I welcome in my buddy from Seattle, Washington. And, of course, he's live on Blab with me as well. He's Miles Austin, the web tools guy. Find him at fillthefunnel.com. Miles, how are you, my friend? Doing good, buddy. How about you? Yeah, I'm doing fantastic. You know, it was really good to have uh, Mark back on the show. Uh, I know that the book has just done phenomenally well. HubSpot's doing a great job. And they have a fantastic uh, tool that's really doing well. Absolutely. And it's been out there for a while. It's really interesting. It's gone through several iterations, as good tools do. Um, They continue to add to it. But uh, the... The, the short, easy answer for today is just go look up marketing.grader.com, marketinggrader.com, but marketing.grader.com. G-R-A-D-E-R, right? Right, like you're going to get a grade because that's exactly what it's going to do. What it does is it'll ask you to enter your website URL or anyone's for that matter, very honestly. We'll talk about that in a second. And then um, if you'd like to get an update on other things, you can put your email address, but it's not required. And you put your uh, website in there, 
and it comes back and it grades you based on standard industry um, expectations. Um, they give you an overall grade from zero to 100, and then they, they break that grade down and give you tips on the blogging aspect, on your social media, on SEO, lead generation, and mobile. Yeah, wow. And you say it's been out a while now, right? Yeah, it, it has. It's, uh, it used to be website grader, and they kind of realized there's way more to a website than just uh, maybe like SEO and that kind of thing. So it's really helpful. And one of the neat things about this tool, they tell you what you've done well, and then they give you suggestions on what they don't seem to see or find on your website. So, uh, and, and by the way, I'll just tell you right now, it's not always accurate. Um, as an example, it just depends on what format and how you set up your website. Um, I've been accused sometimes of having too many lead generation things or captures on my page. But uh, as you know, Kelly, when you go to fillthefunnel.com, it's right there at the very top of that site. It's yep. the first thing they see. Right. And on, on my grade, it says I don't have any um, lead capture uh, form. So, I mean, there are some things there. But the point is don't, <laughs> don't focus on what it, what it got wrong. Because 90 plus percent of it's very helpful. And again, I like it because it shows you, okay, these are the things that we consider required. And you've checked these off, right? Like in blogging, I'm looking at your uh, score right now. And it says for blogging, you've got six completed checklist items. And they graded five blog posts, right? But down under social media, they'll say, well, you've got one or two or three incomplete items. And then you check on that link and it tells you, based on their experience, which is very extensive, what things they would suggest to help you fix it. Wow, that's good stuff. So for the average marketer, this is just another tool. I assume it's free as well. Yep, yep. It's just another tool to help make sure that you're fine-tuned. I mean, it's like keeping your car in shape, right? Absolutely right. And, and it's funny because it really, I mean, a lot of people wouldn't consider themselves a marketer or a sales guy. They're just running a business, right? So if you've got right. a a, a website that's just, you know, maybe for your dry cleaners or um, a little floral business you run or whatever it might be. By the way, I would say even if you just have a personal blog, use this to see what they say. How are you doing? It'll pick up blogging. It'll pick up SEO. It'll pick up social media. And you don't need to then care maybe if it's a personal blog about lead generation. But it also measures mobile. And that's really a nice piece. It says, okay, you've your site is mobile. It is responsive. Those are good things to know. Miles, this, this obviously is what you do for a living. I mean, this is, this is right in the middle of your wheelhouse and the kinds of work that you do in, in evaluating people's marketing presence and those kinds of things. So let me just kind of go off script and ask you, what are some of the typical mistakes that you find that marketing grader is going to find as well? Where, where are some of the big easy gaps that people can fill if they're trying to run their own marketing department as a small business, for example? Well, and, and I'll give you several different areas. One of them isn't really measured here. I'll tell you, I, for me anyway, and there's different opinions, but from my experience, when I go to a site, a lot of times I didn't find immediately what I was looking for. So make sure you've got a search section there, something where you can type in a search word or a term or a, right. a, some kind of thing that, so that anything about maybe it's inbound, let's just say, I'll find whatever I've ever written over the last nine years about inbound in that as far as contacts go. So that's the first thing. I would tell you, and I tell you it's the same thing in your email signatures and everything else, put a darn phone number on your site unless you have no interest in talking to your prospects and your customers. But otherwise, 
put a phone number up there. And for that matter, how to contact you. Uh, when you go again, and I, I always go to the extreme because I've learned these things. I want to make it so easy and so thorough. When you go and click on either my main page and my phone numbers in the upper right-hand corner. And if you click on it, you're dialing to me. It's that simple. Right. But those, I think, are examples. Um, and other things that are some of the gotchas, sometimes your SEO needs to be tweaked and you just didn't realize uh, what you were doing or what you weren't doing correctly there. And if you're using something like WordPress, there are plugins that can guide you through that. For social media, a lot of times, very frankly, is you might, uh, you might just not have them in a predominant place or you might not have links not just to follow or to tweet something you have, but as importantly, how to follow you on Twitter. And, and I'll use a great example right now. I'm getting tremendous activity on my site because I now have a new square where it says follow me on Twitter and you click it. Uh, you might have noticed, it, Kelly, I now have a nice purple one that says follow me on Blab. Ah, very good. Yeah. And I, one of the interesting things about Blab is I've noticed a lot more activity around Blab since you and I started doing this, uh, I don't know, eight or 10 weeks ago. Uh, I, it, it's been, it, it reminds me of the early days of Twitter. I mean, there's just a lot of people getting in on the bandwagon. And I assume that there's some of that miles because it's new, but I assume a lot of it is that way because Blab is really the, the new horizon on the, on the digital side. Well, it's definitely a rising star. I think, you know, anything with live video broadcasting, right, live streaming in one way or the other, um, is a hot commodity right now. And obviously, we've talked in the past about Periscope and Meerkat. The thing that's really different about Blab, and not even what our topic is today, but the reason I really like Blab is for what you're doing. It's an interactive conversation amongst up to four people, and we've got this little conversation stream on the right-hand side. And you can tweet about it on the left-hand side. Mm -hmm. So you can ask questions, you can have interaction, you can share links, and you can have four up to four people talking amongst each other. Um, generally speaking, in a relatively easy, straightforward way to get set up. Sometimes, <laughs> as we just had, there's an issue. Uh, but yeah. they're working really hard. And I think um, a as a platform, I believe, for what you and I do and for what business people do, you just have to remember that there's no such thing as a private conversation on Blab because even if it's off air, if you're not recording it, other people can join in. Like we were testing earlier today with some equipment changes and we wanted to test it. And there were three or four people that hopped on even though we said it was a test and it was not being recorded and they were very helpful helping us as we step yes. through some things. Yeah, absolutely. Been really, really happy with our experience on Blab. By the way, Miles Austin, fillthefunnel.com. If you're not following him on Twitter, you need to be at Miles Austin. You need to be subscribed to, to one of his 112 different sign-up things that you can find on his website so that you can uh, get his weekly emails and things like that. You know, it, it, Mark kind of alluded to something, Miles, that is become very pervasive now and that's just content overload everybody's got an ebook everybody's got a sign up everybody's got all this stuff what do you see from your perspective you know we're, we're talking about marketing greater by the way and marketing is just changing so rapidly it's it's difficult to keep track of all this but where where is all of this going i mean it it, it very much is marketing overload what shakes out as a result of all of this well, you know, that, boy, it's a million-dollar question, Kelly. Here, here's what I know. Quality always wins. Quality content is always going to be in demand, and people are willing to respond. I think it's what happens is because some of these tools are making um, content generation so easy, 
that people think, well, I'll just type a bunch of gibberish on a screen and put it out there. And, and that's when people get turned off. So I always tell the consumer of this information, you've got the power. When you download something, if you're starting to get hammered with email messages and you know pushy sales, just click delete. Just click unsubscribe is the most important thing. I tell people all the time, look, don't just leave the spam button alone because most of the time you ask for it, right? I signed up. I asked for it and I knew I'd be subscribed. So don't hit the, the um, spam button because that really is harmful for the person. You ask for it. So now you can unask for it by just clicking the subscribe button. Yeah, the interesting thing is, as I was mentioning to Mark in our previous segment, Mark Robert, CRO of HubSpot, the, the amount of unsolicited social media intervention, interjection that I'm getting, the amount of cold calls that I'm getting uh, through social media has absolutely exploded. And, and, and I think that's a little different situation, don't you? Uh, 100%. Let me give you a quick example if we've got time. Let me ask you this, Kelly. If you knew that I could have you put your profile in, your phone number, your email address, your website, where you went to school, um, all the things that are important to you as a professional. Would you want to get on that? Would you want to get onto that platform? Sure. And it was only for business people, right? And really yeah, networks and executives and you know high profile people. Great. So now let's say, okay, so now you're on. But oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you that I'm going to open up all of that data and sell it to anyone that's willing to pay for it to drive you crazy and just beat you to death with advertising and retargeting and in-mails and emails and scrapers. What would you want to do now? Do you still want to join that? Why, why do I know that you're getting ready to tell me that LinkedIn does that? That's my point. <laughs> I, just, I was just in Washington, D.C., and I've had so many conversations. It's like, guys, we all love what LinkedIn was. Right. But what they're doing is they're turning that biggest business database in the world into a cesspool of spammers and marketers who are just blasting the crap out of you. It's neat because they can be very targeted. But it's bad because they're just in mails. Right? It was one of the big promotions that the LinkedIn always used to talk about. I literally turned it off. That's one of the reasons I dropped my premium account with LinkedIn. They're just killing us. And so I think if people... I always tell people, I believe if if you, would you sign up today for LinkedIn and be as active as you've been and provided as much information if you knew that it's going to be given away to whoever wants, not just the highest bidder, anyone that's willing to pay for it on a pennies per click kind of a basis or more, mm -hmm. I think most of us would say, you know what, I think I'm going to stay away from that. Yeah, it's, it's become a real problem. Well, that's, that's something we've discussed in the past. We're talking about marketinggrader.com, marketing dot g-r-a-d-e-r greater dot com hey make sure you find that uh, we had mark roberts of hubspot on it's a hubspot tool now it's been around a while uh, but still one of those free tools that you can use to kind of assess where your marketing efforts are what your website looks like and what your blog looks like and all those kinds of things hey miles great stuff appreciate it so much thanks for joining me Miles Austin, fill the funnel, and we do the X's No segment every week. Hey, thanks for joining us on Blab, by the way. We do this every week. This is episode number 77, The Science of Selling with Mark Robert. Appreciate him being on. We'll be back next week. It's going to be good stuff. Next week, Stephen Gaffney, and then the week after that, Jack Kozakowski should be a, should be an inferno that week. Looking forward to it. Hey, thanks for joining us. Thanks to Michael Sergeant, the engineer, who makes us sound way better than we really are. We'll see you next week on Biz Locker Radio here on Voice America.
Thanks for tuning in to Biz Locker Radio with Kelly Riggs. For more compelling interviews and cutting-edge business content, make sure you join us here again next week. Biz Locker Radio airs every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and 3 p.m. Central Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information, visit bizlockerradio.com. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win. Biz Locker Radio is presented by the Business Locker Room. All rights reserved. Opinions expressed by guests on the show may not be the opinions of Business Locker Room Incorporated.